You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Every single Monday through Friday, lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Huda family, and welcome into this Tuesday edition of Locked On Saints. We spent yesterday doing a little bit of a just sort of surface-level review of the game, but today we're going to dig a little bit deeper. We're going to talk about somebody that we haven't gotten to talk about a lot so far this season. But that we should be recognizing because he's a league leader right now and he's playing outstanding for the Saints. We're going to show him some love. Then in the second segment, we're going to go to our pro football focus grades. You know how we do it. Top five, bottom three, offense and defense, as well as a little bit of analysis, examining those grades and summaries. And then we're going to take a look at what Sean Payton said was the reason that the Saints won the game on Sunday and what that element of the game is and how it's going to help them win games here in the future as they move forward this season. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get a lot of love and a lot of credit for his game in the way that he played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, and he absolutely deserves it. He had the fans chanting his name. He stepped into a bar in the warehouse district. They were chanting his name there. He's getting all of the love that he absolutely deserves, but there's another guy out there that definitely deserves a little bit of love for that big win against Tampa Bay as well. So if you go back two weeks ago, Teddy Bridgewater's first start, Look, Teddy played great. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, game manager, all of that. But a big part of why they won that game, defense, special teams. Deontay Harris with the big punt return, Von Bell with the fumble return for a touchdown, and then the defense as a whole played outstanding. Then, jump to the following week, Alvin Kamara was absolutely lights out racking up over 160 uh, all-purpose yards against the Cowboys. He was going nuts in that game, and the defense played very well there as well. And in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Teddy Bridgewater got some help, and he didn't get a little bit of help. He got a lot of help, and from none other than can't guard Mike himself, Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas deserves a shout-out. I mean, look, we see and we already know what he did in this game. 11 catches on 13 targets, 182 yards, and two touchdowns. He was absolutely outstanding. He did. He was unmatched. He was the only wide receiver for the Saints to get targets out of the slot. He caught three passes from the slot alone for 40 yards all by himself. He did all that. He was outstanding in this game, and it's not just in this game. Like You can look at what he's done so far in the franchise what he's done for the Saints. Let's look at the franchise records. After this game, fifth all-time in receptions with 366, and he should go up to fourth by the end of the year, surpassing Jimmy Graham because he's only 21 catches away from doing that. Seventh in receiving yardage for the franchise as well with 4,330 yards, and he might move into sixth just next week against Jacksonville because he's only 47 yards behind tying Devery Henderson. He's also just a touch over 500 yards behind Danny Abramowitz, who sits in fourth place. So he might be able to move up to fourth place by the end of the season in the franchise. Eight tu- eighth in touchdowns uh, for the franchise as well. One behind seventh place with Henry Childs. The pace that Michael Thomas is moving is also absolutely remarkable. So we can see that. Fifth, seventh, eighth in major receiving franchise categories. But look at how quickly he's doing all this. You notice that he's in the top 10 of all of these categories, but he's only in his fourth season in the NFL. Drafted only in 2016, four years, and he's sitting in the top 10 in all of those categories. And 
When you look at what he's doing and how quickly he's doing it, it's on a per game basis. He's got franchise highs on his per game basis and rates like yardage, 83.3, and receptions per game with seven. So it's not isolated to just a couple of good seasons or maybe a good season that sort of skyrocketed his numbers. He's consistently doing this and he's going to consistently continue moving forward. And it's also just not isolated to the Saints record books. This year, Michael Thomas has 45 catches on 543 yards, each lead the NFL. His 55 targets as well are second in the league. So he's going to be able to continue getting these shots. His quarterbacks plural, trust him because you saw Teddy Bridgewater, you see Teddy Bridgewater throw to him, you've seen Taysom Hill throw to him, you know he's Drew Brees' favorite target. All of this is also backed up by pro football focus as well because he's sitting at the top of the NFL in yards per route run with at least, uh, amongst all wide receivers with at least 30 targets at 20, I'm sorry, 2.95 yards per route run. That's almost three yards per route run. And he's not just solely dependent on getting into the end zone. That's a huge thing. Being that he only has three touchdown catches this season, he is on pace for it to tie his season high nine touchdown catches last year, as well as his rookie year in 2016. But he's also put together a string of 26 first down receptions, which continues to add value to his resume and is among the top in the NFL in terms of receivers so far this season. So I know that a lot of people were concerned about whether or not Michael Thomas was was going to continue to produce after he got this big contract in the offseason. And Michael Thomas said himself, he mentioned that he feels an obligation now to show that he deserves the money that he got. He wasn't just seeing that he was getting paid for past production. He understands that taking that contract was a promise to the organization that he would continue to produce. So as a league leader right now in receptions and yardage and quickly climbing up the franchise in terms of receiving leaderboards, he's shown so far that he is absolutely worth every single penny that the Saints have paid for him. So so along with Teddy Bridgewater, don't forget all of those key role players, not even role players, these superstars that surround this team on both the offense and defensive sides. Don't, for, don't forget that they remain on this team moving forward. Andrew Brees comes back. So this team is well set for a postseason run. And especially when he comes back and this team takes yet another step forward, who that say they're going to beat them Saints? Hard pressed to find an answer to that question. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to jump into our top five, bottom three on offense and defense in terms of our pro football focus grades. But first, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue. Bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pills so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance the performance in the bedroom. Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code LOCK. Locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. 
All right, Huda Nation, we're going to jump into our pro football focus grades, a look at top five, bottom three on offense and defense. And of course, we always take a look at some extra analysis as well. Real quick, just rem- want to remind you about the uh, Locked on Saints listener line. Give it a call. Leave a message. Hear yourself featured here on the podcast, 504-229-4265. You can also join the Locked on Saints Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. And that way you can drop some questions there as well. All right, so let's jump into the offensive side here. Top five. Got to start off with the homie, Michael Thomas, the only elite grade on this game, offense or defense, 90.7, that's 90.7, uh, 11 catches, 13 targets, 182 yards, two touchdowns, we know about that. Against the Bucks, over three games, now this is just extra stuff, 38 catches, 460 yards and three touchdowns with an 83.7 catch rate. Michael Thomas balls out against the Bucks, and he's done it three games in a row over those last three, two last season and one this year with another one on the way later on after the bye week. Uh, he had at least a 118.8 NFL passer rating when targeted and six out of the nine passing zones beyond the line of scrimmage. He's affecting the game all over the field, and that's part of what makes him so hard to guard. He has the insane ability to be able to deliver his entire route tree from either side of the field in any position along the line of scrimmage. So that's Michael Thomas, your best grade for the offense and best grade on the team this week, week five. Teddy Bridgewater comes in next with an 85.1, 76.5% completion percentage over 300 yards and four touchdowns or more for the first time since 2015. He was a perfect four for four beyond 20 yards through the air with a perfect 158.3 passer rating to match that. Rarely faced any pressure in this game thanks to an outstanding performance by the offensive line only six passing snaps under which he felt pressure Teddy Bridgewater did and was hit only once now let's jump straight to that offensive line because three through five are all offensive linemen and it's a nice group because you got both of your bookends and your keystone right up the middle for your offensive line here Ryan Ramchek your favorite right tackle in the NFL with an 83.6. He had an 80.9 pass blocking grade, 90.3 in the run game. Eric McCoy with a respectable 75.1. 80.6 of that came in the pass blocking grade and 72.2 in run block. And in Teron Armstead, your left tackle, 73.8, 91.1 pass blocking grade and an unfortunate 58.3 run blocking grade. But we ain't worried about that because he still balled out. Uh, all three of those guys can Combined allowed only two hurries, one of which came from Ryan Ramchick, the other from Eric McCoy. Ram also had a penalty, but the offensive line was only called for two penalties total in this game, so they definitely cleaned their act up there. We'll talk more about this offensive line in just a moment, but let's jump now to the bottom three. Got another offensive lineman here, unfortunately, Andrus Pete, and he's also joined by Austin Carr and Traquan Smith. Pete's 51.6 overall grade was very low, but he did have an 84.6 pass blocking grade, so there is that. I'm going to give a quick special team shout out here between offense and defense. Thomas Morstead in this game had a 60.3. The big thing that I want to mention here is that this guy still has not booted a touchback this season so far in the five games that he's played. No touchbacks so far for Thomas Morstead. So quick shout out for him, and then we'll jump over over to defense. Top five, we got Eli Apple with a 79.1 and 80.4 coverage grade. He allowed only one catch on three targets for 26 yards and a touchdown. That final touchdown of the game, by the way, where he was actually tackled by Von Bell. He was actually in good position to let the catch happen and then get the tackle, but then Von Bell kind of knocked him off. Not really knocked him off. Von Bell actually tackled Eli Apple. So I don't really put that all on Eli Apple, but you know he could have been in coverage well enough to not allow the catch in the first place. But again, they were just trying to keep everything in front. 
front. Yeah, no, we talked about it. Soft defense at the end of the game. Didn't like the way that it ended, but we understand why they were doing it. On the season, he's allowed only eight catches on 14 targets. It's a 57.1% percentage, excuse me, uh, 159 yards. And that touchdown was actually the first that he's allowed so far this year. Then all defensive line, Marcus Davenport, 76.5, Malcolm Brown, 75.4, David Onyemata, 74.9, Cam Jordan, 73.3. Those four guys alone, one, two, three, four, them four alone, totaled up 17 pressures, four sacks, three hits, 10 hurries. Davenport alone, two sacks and a hit and four hurries all by himself. And then he got help from these guys. This defensive line was incredible. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about them coming up in just a moment, but let's jump to our bottom three here for the defense. Shy Tuttle, Carl Granderson, and Patrick Robinson. Granderson actually had a sack in this game, but also had a penalty that was called against him, though declined. Robinson played three snaps. Patrick Robinson played three snaps in coverage and was targeted in two of them. So the Bucks definitely went after him when he was out on the field. He gave up one of those catches for 16 yards, 11 of which came after the catch on a missed tackle. All of those coverage snaps that he played all came over the final Bucks touchdown drive where he was credited with safety snaps with all of the extra DBs out on the field. So lots of outstanding performances over the course of this win against Tampa Bay at home in New Orleans, but there was one particular element of the game where Sean Payton gave credit for their victory. I'll tell you what that is next, but first, let's talk a little bit about my bookie. Look, there's nothing more exciting than the NFL, and there's only one way to make it even more exciting, and that's to bet on those games. So if you're going to bet, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest pay payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and it's where you should too. And I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year to do it. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, y'all, we are wrapping up today's show with look at what Sean Payton had to say was the most important element in how they were able to win this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we do that, just want to give a quick shout out to Jake Madison over at Locked On Pals. He's got a new episode up this evening. He's talking, well, I guess it's this morning. Depends on when you're listening to it. I'm dropping this Monday night, so whatever. But um, he's got a new episode up already recapping the first preseason game for the New Orleans Pelicans. That's right. Preseason's already underway. I don't know about y'all, but I watched the Pelicans preseason game instead of watching that San Francisco Cleveland Monday night football atrocity. So I didn't even mess with that, but I'll watch that, that, that preseason game for the Pelicans and man, they are exciting. So if you want to get the inside scoop, if you want to know more about what was actually done and what we learned from that preseason game, check out Jake over at Locked on Pelicans and all your favorite podcast platforms. All right, back to the Saints now. Just needed to shout the homie out. Luke Johnson at by Luke Johnson on Twitter, now of the Advocate Times Picayune. Congrats, Luke, by the way. Uh, mentioned this morning that Sean Payton said that his staff, or said at his staff meeting, rather, that Sunday's game against the Bucks was won in the trenches. And you know what? I got to agree with him. I have to. He's coached, first of all. So, of course, I got to agree with him. But truly, when you look at it, just look at what the Saints did. Six total sacks, 
all coming from defensive linemen. 21 of 23 pressures that pro football focus totaled were generated by defensive linemen. They also put together three additional hits on Winston, not including one that came early in the game when the refs didn't blow a play dead on a del- what should have been a delay of game call and ended up being a delay of game call. It ended up negating uh, Marcus Williams' interception. But in all honesty, that play just simply shouldn't have happened. It should have been blown dead because Jameis Winston then got smacked by a couple of Saints. And that kind of set up the expectation for Jameis that he was in for a rough day. I mean, this Saints defensive line continued to get after him for the entire game. And a big part of that was Marcus Davenport, who started generating pressure with new pass rushing moves. You can check out the Baldy breakdown at uh, Brian Baldinger's Twitter page. He's looking at all of the things that Marcus Davenport is doing this year that he didn't do last year, all the things that he didn't have in his arsenal. And he has expanded his pass rushing move, uh, pass rushing moves already. And he's only getting better as we go throughout. He's got three sacks on the year. He only had four and a half last season. So he's way on pace to exceed his production from last season. And we saw him after the game in a post-game interview talking about how he left plays out on the field and he doesn't want to do that. So look, the, let me let me actually touch on that for a moment because I tweeted about that and I, I loved that comment because it, it's a top-down it's a top-down influence for the Saints. You see Cam Jordan say that almost every single week. I left a couple of sacks out on the field. Yeah, I got a sack. I should have had three, stuff like that. They always talk about what they left out on the field. And Marcus Davenport is adopting that exact same mindset. Now the Saints knew what they were getting in this guy in terms of personality and his fit in the locker room and why he was a good choice for the New Orleans Saints organization beyond just him being a player. But it's exciting to see him already taking on those types of characteristics where he can go out there and he can generate seven different pressures, two sacks and force a fumble and still come back to the locker room and say, I could have done better. You have to, you, you have to love that. Sheldon Rankins also was back in the swing. Well, he's not even really in the back, back into the swing of things. He was just out there again. And he, on his own, generated a pair of pressures, including a sack. We got to see the shimmy this week, so that was exciting to see. But he only played 25 snaps in this game, which was third fewest among defensive tackles after leading the unit last week. So I saw him really kind of dive into it last week with 37 snaps. This week, he was dialed back a little bit. It was more of a rotation. Mario Edwards Jr. was included into the rotation this week. And I think that's a big part of what makes this Saints defensive line so special is their rotation. I mean, you look at the names that they have, they're nine deep along the defensive line with Cam Jordan, let me see if I can do this off of memory, Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson when he comes back, Carl Granderson now is in the mix, and you've got Marcus Davenport, and then on the interior, you've got your guys Sheldon Rankins and David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankins of course is coming back, he's in process, he's uh, developing and getting back into the swing of things, David Onyemata's had a great season so far, Mario Edwards Jr., Shy Tuttle, and now also Malcolm Brown who was signed from the Patriots, and many of those guys are first round picks, so not only do you have a nine deep defensive line rotation that can help your defensive line stay fresh. You've got talented players there. Even the undrafted guys are talented, but then you also have the first round talent that's there as well that steps up in terms of leadership and veteran presence with the exception of Marcus Davenport, who quickly get to that point, but he's still young and developing on his own. So now you have all of that, and that's not even including what you can add to that in the blitzers and the wrinkles. I mean, you know Demario Davis and AJ Klein can continue to step into pass rushing uh, roles from the second level with ease. They each had a pressure against the Bucs 
backs in this game. And then the team has also started deploying Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in that role as well, particularly as a blitzer off the edge with his speed and strength. He was used uh, quite a bit, actually, in Sunday's game against the Bucks, And you saw him. He was actually one of those players that got that hit on Jameis Winston in the play that should have never happened, the delay of game one. And they've been using him a ton for pass rushing looks on third and fourth downs when teams decide to go forward on fourth. They put him down and uh, put him in in third down situations when you have more defensive backs on there, but you want a pass rushing presence. You get Chauncey Gunner Johnson out there and you let him take off around the edge as well and continue to put some pressure on the quarterback. So then they have all the wrinkles that take place beyond the nine deep defensive line that they're carrying into every game this year. And then you jump over to the other side of the trenches for the offensive line for the Saints. Only eight pressures allowed. Some of them overlapped, so Teddy really only felt pressure on six snaps. He took one hit and then no sacks on the game. Coming into this game, Tampa Bay had 11 sacks on the season, but nine of them came from Shaquille Barrett alone, and Barrett didn't have a single pressure, let alone sack against New Orleans on 27 pass rushing snaps of his own. He only had one tackle, and he also missed a tackle as well. And it wasn't just about protecting protecting. It was also in the run game as well. Remember, the Bucks had only allowed 52 and a half rushing yards per game visiting the Superdome, but left week five allowing 112 yards on the ground to the Saints. So the Saints have now gathered 16 total sacks while allowing only eight. That's fifth most achieved, fifth fewest allowed in the NFL. And they're currently tied with actually Jacksonville in terms of sacks generated. However, the Jags have allowed 12 sacks on the season, so they have a few additional compared to New Orleans. So if the Saints are able to keep Teddy Bridgewater clean again in Jacksonville, as, and as well as with Drew Brees when he returns, but just looking most immediately forward in terms of how the trenches can continue to win games, like Coach Payton said, you look at Jacksonville, if one half of the job on the offensive side can be done to keep Teddy Bridgewater clean, and the other half on the defensive side can get after Gardner Minshew, who, by the way, takes a sack on 25% of the time that he's under pressure while completing only 50% of his passes under pressure, they may be able to get another game won in the trenches just this next Sunday, let alone moving forward to the rest of the season. And further good news from New Orleans in terms of the pass rush against Jacksonville is that the, a third of the Jag sacks have been given up off the edge by rookie right tackle Jawan Taylor alone, and the other three have been self-inflicted by Gardner Minshew. So the Saints do have the ability to rush off the edge here and then make Gardner Minshew make bad choices and move forward. So you see how it is, yo. We're already looking forward. We're already looking ahead. And that's the thing that's so special about what Teddy Bridgewater has done for this team. They put you in a position to where even though Drew Brees is hurt, you still look forward to the next week's game. And of course, there's further anticipation down the road with Drew Brees awaiting his return as well. So all right, y'all, that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for being here with me. Tomorrow, we might have a crossover Wednesday. We haven't been able to fix up the schedules yet. If not, you'll just get a preview with me for the Jacksonville game. We'll get everything covered. Don't worry about it. And we'll continue to move forward throughout the rest of the week to get you ready for that. Then we'll start looking at injury reports Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, getting you ready for Sunday's action against Jacksonville. And then of course, we'll look at personnel grouping analysis, all the stuff that we've been doing so far this season. But let me know if you want me to do any kind of a film study on a player, just like I did with Sheldon Rankins last week. I think Marcus Davenport is probably the most obvious one. But if there's anybody in particular you want me to talk about, let me know and I'll start watching some 
film and seeing what I can get you ready for by Friday. And of course, if you have any questions, call the Locked On Saints listener line 504 229 4265 or drop your questions at the Locked On Saints Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Locked On Saints. All right, y'all, I'll say now as I always do, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.